Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for our ultimate installation of Madoka Magica. I'm Alex. Hello, this is Blixa. Hey, this is Ben. And we're excited to bring another new guest. As I understand it, a bit of an expert on Madoka Magica. Please welcome Bryant. Hello. Yay. Thank you for having me. Bryant from exclamation point. Explanation point. Wow, we're off to a great start. I love it. <laughs> so uh, we found you through YouTube. Is this correct? You, you I don't know how some... you found me, but YouTube makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I make YouTube videos. Very cool. And you've covered Madoka Magic on your channel? I have. Uh, I made one dedicated Madoka video comparing the sub and the dub and the differences therein. And I made one video about Madoka and Magical Girl site and how these dark magical girl shows treat hope in different ways. And mm. what can really make or break a show that's this bleak? Not that yeah. Madoka ends bleakly or anything. I know one of us hasn't seen the last episode. Yet. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. What is bleak anyway? So, so where do you come down on subs versus dubs? Uh, I am usually a dub guy, but that's because of my background. I'm a big fan of translation. I got my degree in French. <laughs> Uh, so I Ooh. really like the view of translator as artist, and I like to see what kind of different choices translators make when they uh, when they do their translations. I wrote my bachelor's mm. thesis on the French dub of Frozen. Hmm. I made two videos about that, and there were just so many very cool decisions that were made that let me realize, hey, this is a very different movie than the English mm. version of this movie. Uh, and seeing that same kind of art in different works has been very fulfilling. So I usually watch the dub just to see what happens. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it, it really is. You should, um, if you get a chance to compare a sub and a dub sometime, I would really recommend it. I usually watch anything dubbed with the subtitles on. That's the way to do it. Uh, you can see where the sub and the dub are different if you do them both at once. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, sounds like you have quite the experience with anime. Um, did you grow up with it? Do you have any like formative series or movies? Sort of. Uh, I was one of those cringe kids. Uh, I okay. watched exclusively Naruto. Uh, yeah, I, I ran like Naruto. Don't worry. I am an OG. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Welcome. <laughs> I feel welcome. Yeah, Naruto, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all of the big properties like that of the day that people didn't really realize were anime. Mm. I feel like the first anime I watched that I realized was something different was Naruto. And then I remember oh. moving on to Air. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're screaming up your eyes like, what in the world is Air? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then I kind of got out of anime for a long time because I was trying to be less cringe and I think I succeeded, but, uh, I got back into anime. My friend Evan in college, uh, wanted me to watch Oron with him, uh, Oron, Full Metal Alchemist 03, just all of the huge classics from that yeah. general area, uh, mm -hmm. era. Mm -hmm. I taught at the University of Antwerp for a while and my job there was coming to an end. So I needed another job and I was like, well, I'm going to make this silly YouTube video about my hero academia. And I did. And it got 300,000 views in like a week or something ridiculous. I was like, OK, well, this is going to be my new job then. <laughs> so nice. I was wow. sort of forced to get into anime again. The big joke at the beginning of my YouTube channel was that I don't watch anime because <laughs> I really had no idea what I was doing or what I was talking about. I just liked watching these anime analysis videos on YouTube. So I decided I would make my own. No, that's cool. Sometimes like a, a fresh perspective is uh, really brings a lot to the table. Worked out for me. So uh, uh, what I'm curious, real, if you can give us the uh, elevator pitch version, what was that first uh, video on 
uh, My Hero Academia about? Uh, it was about the simplicity of the characters, how they didn't really get into any of the, the depth of the characters in the first season and why I feel like that was a good thing. Uh, oh. A little simple as far as my videos go nowadays, which I guess is fitting. But uh, yeah, it was just about how it the first season only kind of touched on the very surface level things of all of these characters and mm -hmm. how I feel like it succeeded at that. Strong choices. That's great. Okay, cool. Um, does anybody have anything that we want to go over before I do this last time on? We watch and discuss. Have we announced to the listening audience that we are going to conclude with the film? We have not. Ooh. Do you want to announce that? Hey, audience, <laughs> stick around because we're going to do the film uh, after the series is over um, with Marley, I believe. Yeah, we're going to have a returning guest, which I'm very excited about. And yeah, bring it full circle. Yeah, it's confusing calling this the finale episode if it's not the last <laughs> mm. episode. But anyway. Well, it is standalone, but like we are specifically not breaking the cycle. That's true. I have like an <laughs> addendum or a special episode. Yeah, there oh, we, we go. could have a very special episode. It could have like a moral. Oh, just have a movie. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay, cool. Uh, well, anything else or we good to go? Uh, no, I'm fine. Unless you want me to plug my channel here. I forget where we Fabulous. were supposed to do that. Oh, we'll do that at the yeah. end. Okay, okay. well, yeah. I, then I won't do it here. I never, I would never <laughs> tell people to go to patreon.com slash explanation point here. <laughs> Last time on Dr. Humura. All was bleak, all was lost. Sayaka had become a witch. Homura arrived in the nick of time to save Kyoko, who wouldn't let go of Sayaka's human body. Kyube explained to us, the audience, and Madoka, incidentally, his role as an incubator and the prerequisite lack of emotions that comes with the job. But he failed to mention the world-ending stakes that accompany these catastrophic witch transformations. In a desperate attempt to reset Sayaka's humanity, Gyoko and Madoka ventured into the witch's labyrinth and pleaded with her to remember who she was. It would seem that the transformation to witch is irreversible, so Kyoko made the only rational decision. If she couldn't save Sayaka in life, then she would join her in death. With Kyoko and Sayaka shattered, Homura was now the only girl standing between Valparaisgisnak and Mitakihara City. But before the final fight could commence, Homura treated us to a look back at her life. Though all the magical girls had struggled through the last two weeks, Homura had lived the Groundhog Day experience at least four times before slowly changing from Madoka's muggle sidekick to the most badass Time Lord in the universe. Things have slowly gotten worse over each iteration, but maybe this is the revolution that breaks the cycle. Does Kyubei serve a master? Is Walpurgis knock someone we already know? Can anyone squeak out a happy ending? Let's find out. Okay, all right. I think I'm good to go. Uh, I'm good. Three, two, one, play. Oh no. Mm-hmm. This is a nine out of 10 episode of anime, hands down. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I'm queuing up the next one, but first we mm. got to discuss this one. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to finish out the ED. Thank you. <laughs> so, Alex. Yeah. What did we just watch? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I don't. That's the thing is like it was compelling, uh, especially the action sequence was very pretty. But like I didn't get any answers yet. There's some symbolic esoteric answers like there's kind of this message of like the more we struggle against fate's constraints, the tighter uh, the web contracts around us. And we saw this like every time Homero went back, Madoka's fate changed, but it just became more entwined with this moment. Like the rest of her life started like fading into the background 
and it became just about her bout with Valpurgishnaz. That's a that's a very big answer. So for our listening audience that hasn't seen this in a couple years like me, what did we just watch? <laughs> oh, uh is going to fight Valpurgishnaz on her own. Yeah. It manifests as this giant storm that everyone can see, you know. So the whole city goes into lockdown mode. Madoka's family goes to a shelter. Before that, Madoka has a talk with her mom for the first time in episodes and episodes. And then we find out that her mom was friends with uh, her teacher, that Mm. they're on a first name basis and maybe they knew each other long ago. I kept expecting them to be like, remember when we were magical girls? (laughs) But I guess it's not that on the nose. And, you know, what's his name? Uh, Kyube uh, told Madoka, and this is kind of a trope at this point, right? Like it's you, you, you reveal that there's magic in the world and then you reveal that all the magical things from the past, all the cryptids and everything, it's all connected to this magical tradition. Um, so like Joan of Arc and it looked like, uh, uh, what's her name? Cleopatra. Cleopatra. They were all magical girls, but they all, you know, had to have this bad fate because... It seemed like Kyube was insinuating that wishing for a better life or a better world, that's the sin that can't be forgiven. But Homura fights Walpurgisnacht, is losing, and then Madoka leaves the shelter against her mother's wishes. But her mom seems to understand after she gives her a little speech. And then she shows up to, it looks like she's going to make the wish and she's going to fight Walpurgisnacht. And we're going to see how bad this iteration of it is. But... I guess we we don't know yet. Thank you for that. So first question for our guest, Bryant. Me. Why is this episode called The Only Thing I Have Left to Guide Me? I think it refers to both Homura and Madoka. It could actually easily be referring to pretty much anyone we see in this episode, but most notably about Homura. Kyubei just spelled it out for everybody and said, hey, Homura has been going back in time. She has caused all of these timelines to converge around Madoka. And if she loses hope and decides to stop doing this, she's going to turn into a witch and then everything's really going to go to shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Homura has been doing all of this stuff for one singular reason. The only thing she has left to guide her. Mm. But at the end, she doesn't have the thing. Homura starts to lose hope. Mm hmm. Uh, And then the only thing she has ever had to guide her shows up, which is why it applies equally well to Madoka. Yes. The thing about the show is that it's all about Madoka not knowing what she wants out of life. With all of these magical girl shows that deal with wishes and powers and like pretty much any show about superpowers is about the ability of one person to affect their will in the world. Mm-hmm. And Monoka is going to be the bestest, brightest magical girl of them all. And she has no idea what she wants. She wants to wish for a cake. Well, that was mommy's suggestion. I'll pin this on me. <laughs> right, but she was fine with it. Madoka, like she thinks about wishing for a cake. She thinks about wishing to be a magical girl. But now Madoka realizes what Homura has done for her. She has seen her family together. She has seen everything that she cares about in peril. And she thinks, this is what I have to guide me. Mm -hmm. I care about all these people. And not only that, I care about all of the people who have come before me, who have fought for a better world for me to live in. And she thinks in some way that she owes them something. But more than that, she thinks my life has purpose because I can contribute to the same tradition, because I can help the people who have been trying to help me, whether I've ever met them or not. Well, that leads me to what I think is the theme of this episode, uh, which would be visibility. So Madoka gets clarity of vision 
of her purpose or her her mission. I think as Alex said, like, well, Pergus Noct has an aspect that everyone can see, this giant mm. supercell storm. And um the the scene that I thought was really important in this was the talk with uh mm-hmm. Madoka's mom, Junko, and Madoka at the I think it was the school being converted to a shelter. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Cause like it seems like a really, really unrealistic scene if you're a parent. <laughs> like <laughs> you're not gonna let your kid go out in a tsunami. But the mom has actually been seeing her daughter, like as revealed in the heart to heart talk with presumably her childhood friend and Madoka's teacher. Like she doesn't know everything, but she knows something's going on and that she at least has one friend that has died, if not more. But like she lets her go. She lets Madoka go. And like mm-hmm. she believes her about whatever it is, this thing that she has to do that she can't even explain. Yep. And there's this beautiful, subtle shot where she decides to let her go, where her hand comes up to mm-hmm. stop her. And then it, it goes back down to her side. And you, the hands of oftentimes symbolizing like will or, or a, you know, your ability to act. And she's like, no, no, no. It's time for Madoka to act now. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to interrupt. It's just this is also one of my favorite scenes in anything. Like, I think other than the scene where uh, Madoka's mom is drunk and says like, yeah, life is pain for an adult. That's why we get to drink alcohol. Uh, that's just an amazing scene. But I love this one, too. Like, yes, it's not realistic if you take everything that's happening at face value. I don't think that makes it a bad scene at all, just taken on its own terms. I think it's still very beautiful. But if you see uh, the witches as a metaphor for despair uh, and you see this giant storm happening around the school as a way of symbolizing the chaos and the terror of the real world, uh, then you have a parent who's looking at her child who's saying, I will have to go out in that. I am going to have to be a person in this. And now is the time when you can choose to either keep me here or to trust that you have done well enough with me Mm. that you can let me go. Yeah, Because that was, that was the argument. Madoka Mm -hmm. said, you have been a good parent. You have taught me to be a good person and it's time for you to trust yourself and know that you have done enough. Yeah. So miracles aren't realistic and that's (laughs) part of the scene. Like a miracle is happening. A mom she doesn't just believe her kid. She believes in her kid. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's a magical girl show. And they've always mm-hmm. been about the power of young people. So when you have a young person saying there is something that only I can do, you're not going to have an adult stop them in a magical girl show. Not at a moment like this. Well, it was a great way to achieve that. Mm-hmm. No, Junko is just a beautiful character. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites for sure. Uh, there is a lot of expository in this episode. Do we want to chew on that? I, I thought it was well done. It didn't, I, I guess when they first revealed Kubei's secret, I felt like that was very like info dumpy, but I thought the way they sort of doled it out mm-hmm. in these different sections at times that it kind of like made sense for these characters to be having conversations. I thought it worked pretty well. Kubei mm-hmm. said vegan rights. <laughs> Why did Kubei tell Madoka all that stuff? I think Kyubei's only goal still is to get Madoka to become a magical girl. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we didn't see, I didn't notice him sort of like twisting the screws the way sometimes you see him in the past. Like it didn't feel as manipulative, but I guess, you know, maybe now his Kyubei's perspective has changed a little bit now that 
Jubei knows what's going on with like the time loop and all of that stuff. Like, I guess maybe、mm-hmm. he sees it as, you know, fate. Like, this is going to happen no matter what.、Uh, the writing's on the wall every time. Yeah, it, you know the it, the fate gets tighter, so he just sees it as an eventuality. Much lower stakes for Cubey now than it has been in the past. Now that、mm-hmm. they realize what's going on with Homura, and they think, well, if Madoka doesn't become a magical girl this time, then she's just going to become a better one next time.、Mm-hmm. Well, I think Cubey is still being a manipulator. Sure, like there's no real reason why Cubey has to disclose all this stuff. And his appeal to Madoka is, "Look, where we treat you better than you treat cattle, and this is just the natural order. And you're welcome because we helped you develop civilization."、Mm-hmm. But he doesn't explain how they treat us better than we treat. No, there's a, there, there's a like, deal. Take、there's, my word for it. There's <laughs> consent, even though it's there's a contract involved. Yeah, Cubey says, "I will give you this, and in exchange, this will happen." An uninformed contract, but yeah, okay, sure.、And、you can then... argue that Cubey doesn't agree. Cubey thinks if you didn't fully think through the terms of the deal, that's your fault. That's true. Like, He there, believes that there there is a reason that passages from Faust are written on buildings in this show.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just feel like this further codes Cubey as like the agent of like patriarchy.、Mm. He continues pushing his agenda, oblivious. Well. Not oblivious, like maybe he just doesn't even care how it's going to、mm-hmm. affect Madoka because it traumatizes her.、Mm-hmm. He puts images in her head that she didn't consent to, to the point where it pushes her to tears and she screams for him to stop. And those images, they utilize that the witch labyrinths kind of style of、uh, animation, and it looks awesome. Sure, but so Cubey, the the story he puts forward to Madoka here resonates to me like the great men theory of history. Which is like, well, history is really only pushed forward by these powerful, you know,、uh, personalities, essentially. And the antithesis to that is that, well, no, actually, history is pushed forward because people cooperate. And that, to me, is the dichotomy of this episode: is that it starts with Cubey putting forth this theory of history to Madoka, and it ends with Madoka coming to Homura's aid and saying,、mm, maybe that's not. She's not saying it, but、mm. to me. Symbolically, it says like maybe that's not the case. Maybe what pushes history forward and gets us to the next revolution of the cycle is cooperating, is caring about one another. I feel like it's. I mean, I guess maybe, but I feel like Madoka is still very important. Yeah,、mm. no, I think Ben and I are on the same page here. I think that Cubey is the one saying, "Hey, it was cooperation between humans and incubators that got you this far. It's because we were the ones putting the needs of the collective first that you were able to reach this stage." Uh, and at、mm. the end, Madoka is the one saying, "I have power. I am going to use this power to help others. Me, me, me. I am the special girl. I am the one I, who's going I, to do this." Well, it can't be collaboration if Cubey has not given full disclosure.、Mm-hmm. Understandable. Which, I, yeah, which I, from Cubey's perspective, I, I do not believe Cubey is intentionally malicious. I believe Cubey、oh. is detached in the way that aliens I, often are in shows like this. Oh, okay. Cubey doesn't see things the same way we do. Cubey doesn't understand emotion, so Cubey doesn't understand the priorities of humans very well. Is I'm not saying that Cubey is immune to being evil because of all of this. I'm saying that Cubey isn't acting with intentional malice,、uh, like you mentioned. The Cubey is an agent of the patriarchy, and I feel like that metaphor kind of falls apart because Cubey doesn't have malice. You can still be a part of the patriarchy and not have malice. Like ignorance is part of it. Sure,、mm. I just feel like Cubey is. Trying Cubey's best, 
to create an equitable deal for everyone in trying to have we gotten yeah, to what Cubase yeah. ultimate yeah. goal is yet? I forget. Preventing the end of the universe. Uh, reversing entropy. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to reversing entropy, this is something that's going to benefit literally every sentient life form that ever has and ever will exist. And it's going to cost one yeah, model economy. But I, I don't think Cubay cares at all about the people. I don't think Cubay cares about being equitable. I think this is just like what seems to work is like he says exactly what he needs to say to get the people to agree to be magical girls and to like mm -hmm. get them to get other girls to be magical girls like Cuba is just about like keeping the cycle going and like kind of keeping that lie alive well even if Cuba doesn't care let's let's say that Cuba doesn't care at all about the fates of humans i still feel like that doesn't necessarily lead to an interpretation where Cuba is malicious because Cuba is saying all of the universe is at stake here if we have to sacrifice the humans then we have to sacrifice the humans there are a hundred billion yeah. other sentient races yeah, out there. yeah it's like extreme utilitarianism that just completely ignores mm -hmm. it, like yeah we got yeah. john stewart mill in the chat <laughs> he has human experience in a lot of yeah. ways well one, mm -hmm. we're taking Cubay's word for this grand universe full of sentient life. As far as we know, there's only two forms of sentient life. There's humans and sure. there's Cubay's. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I agree with you that I don't think Cubay is malicious at all. I think Cubay is like an algorithm. Mm -hmm. I don't think Cubay thinks that Cubay has to manipulate us. I think Cubay says, all right, I can just I can just be above board here and say, like, this is the situation and you're going to go with it. Cubay doesn't oh, have but, to have some Machiavellian plan, I mean. But if Cubay told people this whole story before they started, probably very few of them would agree. Right. I'm sure that Cubay has logically thought it out and said, like, if I go in with the whole story, then nobody's going to listen to me. But I think that there's a decent amount of people, especially since he's targeting mm, teenagers in despair. With it. I think mm -hmm. there's a decent amount of people where Cubay where Cuba could say, hey, do you want to sacrifice your life for the entire cosmos? And they would say, you know what? My life kind of sucks. Sure. Oh, then Cubay should do that. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the mechanics of it require people to suffer. Yep. Like specifically mm -hmm. to be heartbroken. Mm -hmm. So I don't think someone could agree to it just in exchange for power sure. and indulge. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. there has to be subterfuge that's going to result in tragedy. I don't think there necessarily has to be subterfuge. I think the thing about Cubay is that is that there is an inherent, uh, an inherent tragedy in the idea of these wishes where it's not through Cubay's intervention. It's through just the consequences of the wishes that are made and that everything goes to crap. Hmm. But Cubay is the one who intervenes in Cube, these Cube girls' is lives the one who grants and gives the them wishes. the wishes. It's, he get, it's, the, it's that same age-old bargain, right? Do you, do you actually want everything you've ever wanted? Like with Kyoko in particular, you can see how her wish to get people to listen to her father leads to everything that happens in her life, her entire tragic downfall. I think part of Madoka is about whether or not you should be satisfied with what you have or whether you should try to get more. And I think Kyubei is a way to show what happens when you get everything. It's hard to talk about the big themes of Madoka before we finish the show. Okay. Yeah. But I think... Okay. It's important to think about the idea that Madoka wants people to be satisfied with less, uh, wants people to appreciate the lives that they have instead of wishing for more. Yeah, and that, that's sort of a, a Buddhist concept of like desires are the source mm -hmm. of all suffering. No, I've never thought of it like that, but that's a very good point. So maybe that is, yeah, it's sort of like 
there is this downside to every desire, which is that eventually you will lose that thing, right? You desire mm-hmm. beauty, you're going to lose your beauty. You desire, you know, to be alive, you're well, going to die. <laughs> but like, that's what we're talking about is like an internal struggle, mm-hmm. like about satisfaction and wishes, not appreciating what you have. I feel like most of this story has to do with external forces, pressures, mm-hmm. which to me makes it more about seduction than wish fulfillment or sure. just satisfaction. Yeah, you're right. There is a part of this that we can't really talk about. Okay. Well, well then let's we get on? to it. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like everybody's yeah. itching. So is there anything you wanted to cover before we watch the last episode, Blixa? Um, It was interesting that the imagery, uh, when we saw Homer as tear at the very end, it made mm-hmm. me think like, is that the water droplet that we've been seeing for the last 10 episodes? Mm. Um, we've been seeing Homer's moment and everything is kind of like a flashback, at least from Homer's perspective. Mm. Also in line with the theme of like being seen, like Homer says, like she can't tell Madoka like the truth. And then she does. She confesses. Like I've seen you die like so many times. I'm glad no one came up and said that this like seemed like lesbian coded because I don't believe that. I think mm-hmm. this is just the love of friendship. I mean, they feel very deeply for each other. We yes. you, we don't have to put any specific labels on it. Uh, then, you know, it was just especially like Homer's legs seem to be broken at the end, which, you know, emotionally she's broken as well. Um, there was this critical moment when the building hit her, which broke her legs, presumably. And her time thing, it didn't seem to work. And she like remarked about it. And that made me wonder when getting back to like the monkey's paw aspect of this, I do feel I don't have any proof, but I suspect that Cube was instrumental in making things go poorly. I feel like mommy's circumstances of living her family and Cube being there was very suspicious. I feel mm. like Kyoko's father being able to find out that his daughter was a magical girl, which humans can't see. Like that feels really suspicious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the way Hitomi was acting when she confessed her crush on Kyosuke, she seemed very like like she had a witch's seal on her neck or something. That just seemed very suspicious to me. Mm-hmm. But it all serves Kyube's purpose of having these seeds get corrupted and filled with like the darkness. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like it's more of an engineered situation right. than a, a monkey's paw thing, which mm-hmm. feeds more into like a patriarchal commentary all right but that was the gist okay cool well i can't wait all right go ahead 12 queued up Uh uh-huh all right got it three two one play so it's a clean white screen for the end of credits yeah white death also a world of possibilities you know the ending of one cycle the beginning of another Mm -hmm. it was like a clean slate to me Mm mm-hmm how do we get a clean slate though well, we kill Madoka Kaname. Exactly. <laughs> this is all Kyubei's been wanting this entire time. You kill Madoka Kaname and everything gets better. So, so this one, Blixa, you haven't seen it for a couple of years. And Alex, you you just watched yeah. it for the first time. I just yeah. watched it. But just to clarify, <laughs> those men in the white cloaks, they're called like distortions or magical beasts. Mm-hmm. And that's the new way of harvesting the energy for Cubase. And, and was Cubase saying it was more efficient or less efficient than witches? I think he thinks it's more efficient. He says it's more straightforward, hmm. which makes sense because it sounds like this arrangement doesn't require the obfuscation 
that the other one did. He can tell them this is what you're fighting and be completely on the level because they don't need to succumb to despair for Cube to get the energy that they uh, uh, produce. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and now he is seemingly more like just like this sidekick cat character, you know, who he, you know, he's getting the like treats. Luna from from, Sailor Moon. Yeah. And so it's like almost like we've created the traditional magical girl world. Yeah. Through Madoka's great sacrifice, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we start this episode exactly where we ended the last one, right? And we're kind of going full circle also back to the dream from episode one, this moment mm-hmm. of like, will she or won't she become a magical girl? But like, there's no question she's becoming a magical girl. So something I thought rewatching this one is in that scene with the mom in the last episode, she has this line about, you know, like, like, I love you guys. And because of that, I can't be here. And you think that she's talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. you know, the storm shelter. But at the beginning of this episode, she makes it very clear. She knows she's going to have to sacrifice herself for this wish. Mm. So she kind of knows that that is her her final goodbye with her mom. Um, and I actually mm-hmm. feel like they sort of like downplayed that a little bit. Like, I'm sort of surprised there wasn't some crying scene where she's like leaving her family or or something like that. But I guess she's she's just very like determined. Mm-hmm. But it matches up with what we see in this episode of her family when they are happy but oblivious to Madoka's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like Homura has that emotional reaction. She's the one we get to see you know, really viscerally feel Madoka's loss. And I guess diegetically, she's the only one who feels it anymore. She's the only one who remembers Madoka, right? Except for Tatsuya. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Which is like, that's a common trope. Like children Mm -hmm. can see things or children or maybe siblings have a special connection. But that was cute. Now, uh, something that's tangentially related to this, going back to Madoka's conversation with her mom last episode, I've been going through my notes for my uh, my subs versus dubs video, mm-hmm. and there's a very interesting discrepancy between the sub and the dub. When Junko is talking to Madoka in the dub, she says, you can't just go off and do what you want. But in the sub, she says, you don't live life just for yourself, understand? Mm. And I think that the sub line is just so much more impactful because the dub line, like, sure, she's a parent. She's telling her child that you do not have the authority to go out into a hurricane when Mm. your mom tells you not to go out into a hurricane. But (laughs) the the sub line is very much like bringing all the themes of the show together. Madoka, you don't live life just for yourself. You live life for all of these other people as well. And that's Madoka's ultimate argument. Yeah, I like that. So, so I guess going back to the the wish scene, you know, so Homura has been working really hard to stop this moment from happening, right? And in fact, in a previous iteration, Madoka herself wished that this wouldn't happen, right? But sort of in this ironic way, you know, so I guess it feels very like everything Homura has done was for naught, but that's actually kind of what we needed to do what needed to happen to sort of like supercharge Madoka to the mm-hmm. point that she could mm-hmm. actually make a wish this big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the previous incarnation, she makes the wish to become a magical girl to defeat Valpurgishnacht, like at that moment. And this is taking it past that moment mm-hmm. and allowing her to, I guess, transcend entropy, become a god. Uh, before I forget, uh, Elephant in the Room, this is a lot like the ending of Lane, right? <laughs> 
yeah. I guess it is. <laughs> it's sort of like it's like an explicit version of sort of the the reading that we ended up, I think, agreeing on in Lane of, of sort of like, yeah, this human being becoming a concept like Kami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but instead of the Kami of the Internet, it's like the Kami of hope, I guess. Yeah, exactly. There's a bunch of parallels like Lane's best friend is the only one who has this fleeting memory of her who doesn't quite get it. But like we have scenes where she kind of comes to visit the friend and she also obliterates uh, what's his name? Masami Eri, the god of the Internet. He's kind of like Kubei. Like that's the closest Mm. thing to an analog between this two series. And she obliterates the overlord version of him. But then the programmer version of him gets to have another go and it's much like Kubey isn't like destroyed but the nature of Kubey and its relationship to humanity is changed which is kind of cool I'll uh, go one further if we're getting meta here uh, it's also like Mari in the end of uh, the fourth Evangelion rebuild movie she goes through like the soul instrumentality and like walks through storyboards of the anime and changes the rules of the Evangelion intellectual property to save Shinji. They get a happier ending, though, where they're directly together, right? So so I was trying to remember, and I forgot, what was it exactly that inspired Homura again to make this wish? It was Madoka's, like, sacrifice for her. Yeah, because Homura was just a sidekick. Mm -hmm. But was there some sort of, like, time... There wasn't already a time loop set up. It was just... No, Homura watching Madoka die for the first time, mm-hmm. that's when she makes her wish, and that's what starts the time loop. Gotcha. Um, because her wish is not the exercising of her power. That's actually Kyubei granting her wish and forcing her back through time. And because her wish had so much to do with time, that's why her powers manifested that way, and she was able to do it herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does seem like, you know, so it's like Madoka is this very important person for creating this new universe but then also without humura's wish this whole thing couldn't have happened so so they're like they are very like (laughs) interlinked in in kind of like this ultimate fate i don't know yeah yeah i mean a big question that madoka poses that i don't think it ever really answers is how much does one person's will matter the whole thing is about madoka's choice of wish And the only reason Madoka is in this position to make a choice is because Kyubei has set up the system and because Homura has made her the center of karmic destiny. And now Madoka is in a position that she can choose to capitalize on or not. So Mm -hmm. how much will Madoka actually has uh, and how much ability she has to change things is the big question, I think. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, it's sort of like Homura's story, like she needed that story to see her friend try so hard over all of these different iterations to then have the level of like hope to mm, to that make her yeah to make her wish yeah that's cool like how it it comes full circle but it also reverses itself right because Madoka was the inspiration for Homura and now Homura becomes the inspiration for Madoka mm-hmm. it's like an Ouroboros right like 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 Kubei said like you're violating the laws of causality you're rewriting them in order for this story to exist. So so I got con- kind of confused then. So so after this, right, we we get this transformation. We have this weird kind of tea exposition scene 
that seems to just be there to kind of like explain Madoka's motivations and to see these characters from earlier in the season kind of one more time and get like a little bit of closure with them. Mm -hmm. And then we get like Madoka traveling through time, visiting these other magical girls and I guess making them disappear at the point that they would have become witches. Mm -hmm. But I guess at that point, we're still kind of confused about what's going on. Uh, so then we have Homura up in space, standing on the moon or something. Okay, mm -hmm. let's slow down. So <laughs> yeah. Madoka's get, having her wish granted. She's saving all magical girls throughout time and space. And at the moment of their death, which would have been marked by despair, Madoka clears those seeds, gems, mm -hmm. and they die. I, I assume they die. Uh, happy, mm. or they at least go on without despair one way or another. I think it's more that they die secure in the knowledge that what they've done meant something. Which is without despair. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. All the darkness gets sucked out. I, mm -hmm. I, I guess when I first watched it, I thought kind of she was creating a universe where magical girls never existed or something like that. Um, and then later on, we kind of see more of how how the rules actually work, right? Yeah, that's what I was hoping because Cubay couldn't reverse the process. Once you'd become a magical girl, Cubay couldn't put your soul back in your body. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was hoping for. It was like, oh, but Madoka can because Madoka kind of usurps Cubay's role as the, at least what we can see, the top force in this universe. And not only like the power levels, but also the consumption. Those soul gems, they still go somewhere, but they go into Madoka instead of Kyubei eating them. Okay. Well, I guess where my mind is, all the magical girls still have to die. Um, yes. So Madoka makes this amazing sacrifice, this cosmic existential sacrifice. She becomes like this unseen hero except to Homura. And if I'm still in this like fighting patriarchy mindset, I think back to, we have a few heroes that are identified like Jane Adams. Well, Jane Adams didn't like secure rights for women and children on her own. There were tens of thousands of other people around her and before her that we don't know who they are, but they still mm -hmm. made sacrifices. And, you know, like every girl born has to <laughs> deal with patriarchy and um, you can fight it, but that's a form of sacrifice. You give up civilianhood or something to deal with all that shit. And, uh, you know, these magical girls, they're doing their fight. So it seemed on theme to me that it would still have to end in some kind of sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, and so, and so Madoka's wish basically gets rid of the monkey ball aspect of it, and it makes the wishes come true and the kind of the sacrifice actually worth it. It's kind of what we get out mm. of that scene with Sayaka. I wouldn't say it as a getting rid of the monkey paw. I think it's just getting rid of, like, the suffering that's involved in this process. Mm. That that is interesting though, because we when we get the Sayaka and thought about that, I mean the monkey's paw thing still happened, right? Her friend mm -hmm. was like in love with the dude and they got together and she's still a little like sad about that, but she feels like it was worth it, right? Instead of it filling her with despair, mm -hmm. she realizes that that was like the best outcome for this guy mm -hmm. and for the world. Everybody around Madoka, well, I guess just Homura, really, as the only person around Madoka, thinks that this is such a huge sacrifice. And Madoka does not seem to think that. She's the one saying, no, actually, 
this is a really good thing, uh, not just for everyone else, but also for me. Mm. She has a purpose in her life now that she didn't have through the entire series. She's bringing happiness to so many people, uh, an entire universe worth of people, uh, whereas before she was just Madoka Kaname. So yes, Madoka has to make a sacrifice in a sense, but I think that she sees herself as being better off now than she was. Okay, well, I'm I'm upset that Hitomi gets a happy ending. She's yeah, just a Hitomi. rich girl. <laughs> I don't All like my that homies gets... hate Hitomi. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. There's a, a reason fan. I never use her name in my videos. <laughs> yeah, just the the other one, the green haired one. <laughs> so, so I did like the twist of uh, this giant soul gem that you know she her wish is so big that like mm-hmm. the physical soul gem is like this giant meteor that's gonna like destroy the whole world, and where you're just like it is gonna be this like monkey mm-hmm. paw where like even that wish like you can't get out of that yeah and she uno reverses cube <laughs> like hi you didn't read the contract carefully sucker well, and, <laughs> and, and so i think we talked before about how so it seemed like sayaka like i mean she did want him to get better from his illness she did want him to play violin mm-hmm. again she loved the way he played violin but i think we all suspected that wasn't what she really wanted right she wanted to be with him mm-hmm. and maybe that was part of what made her despair or like made her bitter whereas Mm -hmm. like madoka is actually wishing for the thing that she wants and so she can take the the cost of the wish or whatever for sure because when you go back to the moment when sayaka actually turns into a into a witch not a wish it's (laughs) after those guys are bad mouthing their girlfriends on the train Mm. Uh, and sayaka is so hurt by this because she thinks you have a relationship you have people who love you why are you acting this way? And so she falls into despair from that. But Madoka, as opposed to Sayaka, does make a completely selfless wish. Mm. She says, I am going to fix everybody else's lives at the cost of my own. And yes, it works out for her and she's very happy with it. But that doesn't mean that she did it for her own benefit. Yeah. I mean, becoming a god is a pretty good fringe benefit. <laughs> a pretty good gig. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's the same argument about the president. Like nobody who wants the job could possibly be qualified for it. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. But does Madoka still have sentient like personhood? What or is a person? What is a man? It seems limited. There, There's a hope there because she says we will be able to see each other again in time. Oh. Not to derail everything, but sorry. Did she say I have to go meet the others now? <gasps> yeah. What? what does that mean? Like, I think the other gods, the other, <laughs> the, the other, other gods yeah. are the other magical. Yeah. Levels. Like, is she still uh, doing the rounds? I, yeah, I think she does that moment like she did with Sayaka <laughs> with like all of them where they, they see the fruit of their, yeah. Like, no, I have this thought every time I watch the show and I always forget to bring it up. But like, who is this council of gods? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just like a whole bunch of Madakas. Mm-hmm. No, I have to go meet me and me and me and me. <laughs> yeah. All of the Madokas from all the other timelines. Yeah, very Gnostic, you know, like you're a part (laughs) of the divine. And when you are reintroduced to the divine, it's just you again. Mm -hmm. God, can you imagine a Gnostic solipsist? (laughs) It was only ever me (laughs) from the top (laughs) to the bottom. (laughs) uh, Did you ever read that short story, The Egg, I think it's called? No. Have any of you guys read that? Maybe. It's one of those trippy short stories where, I mean, basically it's like this in-between place where, you know, you like go down from this place into some human and like experience that human's 
human experience. And then you go back to this in-between place and it's basically just like, you know, you're just this one consciousness that keeps diving down into oh. like every single mm. person's experience. But it's a story, so it's like better written than that, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a reveal in there somewhere. But that that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Like, uh, so everyone's consciousness is the same consciousness, but a different iteration of it, a different like set of given circumstances yeah. for yeah. any different individual mm-hmm. human body. So like basically, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I can agree with that concept. <laughs> I can't disprove it. So I really like that endings, the post credit scene. What I liked about the symbolism was that when Homura like unleashes her power, it's very witch-like, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. is. I thought like one of the, maybe the purpose of Madoka's sacrifice or maybe one of the side effects of Madoka's sacrifice is that the line between magical girl and witch, it's not clearly defined anymore because there is no despair inflection point anymore. Mm. Uh, because if you despair, you dissolve and you become part of Madoka. But if you don't despair, you maybe have access to all of these super bodily powers that a witch would have that a magical girl does not normally. <laughs> it was weird, right? Was like mm-hmm. Homura doesn't have the time shield anymore. Yep. She's oh, got I the didn't Madoka bow. She's got Madoka's bow. Mm. She right. does okay. the rose bow. And those fucking demon wings with all like mm-hmm. the sprockets and things inside. Now you're, you're going to like the movie, I think. <laughs> Quite an image. All right, I'm excited. It really seems like it's setting up for a sequel. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of those like MCU. Like, mm-hmm. but in a like knowing now over 10 years later, mm. a real sequel didn't happen. I still think it's a very interesting ending. It just, it asks questions in all the right ways mm-hmm. where it leaves it a little open-ended, but not dissatisfying. Yeah, and the the symbolism of the, the monster thing she was fighting, I thought really played into her arc because she doesn't like become transcendent necessarily, but she has these similarities to the concept of like the Buddha and like the Buddha, you know, someone who has reached nirvana mm-hmm. choosing to come back to the world and repeat the cycle to help others along their way. A bodhisattva? Is that the word for that? Yeah, okay. that's it. Bodhisattva. Thank you. And then another part of that uh, uh, belief structure is these false gods or false Buddha, these like images of divinity, which are really, you know, demons in disguise or mm-hmm. or or they are a red herring on your path to enlightenment. And the the monks very much evoked that in me. But of course, I don't know enough about that uh, mm-hmm. belief structure. Yeah, I, I think there are some explicit references in this episode. You know, so there's this line at the end about how the creatures they're fighting are created due to the law of cause and effect. And I Googled that. And like that mm-hmm. is sort of like a translation of karma is just sort of like every action has its consequences and you just have to like part of life is you just have to deal with the consequences of your own actions basically i think um and then there was this line when um sayaka disappears where they say like oh she disappeared due to the law of the wheel the law of cycles in the dub Mm. the law of cycles so maybe yeah maybe there's different translations but when i googled law of the wheel you know, all the stuff that pops up is stuff about... Yeah, the the Wheel of Samsara. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, the Cycle of Desire again, huh? Mm-hmm. And it, it is sort of interesting with this story, too, of Humura, you know, that she went through all these life cycles 
every cycle ending up a little bit higher, which there's sort of some Buddhist teaching on reincarnation is just sort of like whatever sort of like vibrational energy you end your life at, that's the place you're going to start your next life. And so you you might not achieve enlightenment this life, but like you can make progress and then like eventually you can get there. And then, yeah, I think you were talking about before, they're, they're really noble people instead of just exiting life sometimes will themselves to stay in the world so they can help other people get there faster. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be a magical girl, you have to study Buddhism. (laughs) If you're allowed to as a girl. Yeah. If you want to overcome the cycle of magical girl, you have to study Buddhism. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, I sort of love this ending because it's like, you know, like the world isn't perfect. There's always going to be problems, but it's like, like you cannot be the problem. Yes. Like you can Mm -hmm. just, help fix inevitable problems. Like that's sort of like the best you can do in life. (laughs) Trying not Mm. to make things worse. No, I love what, I I think it was Alex who said it. Editing note, credit where credit's due, Ben said it. Uh, How Madoka wound up turning the world of Madoka into a traditional magical Mm -hmm. girl world. Yeah, I love Mm. that so much. No, that was very good. Yeah. Well, she removed this sort of exploitative dynamic Mm -hmm. to the system, and that allowed this more lighthearted and above board, you know, hopeful uh, Mm -hmm. cycle to take place. And I love how Homura hates it because that's so (laughs) on brand for her. She just jumps off a building saying, the world sucks. I got to fight these wraiths. I don't even have my best friend. (laughs) But like, that's also such a beautiful idea. It's. I mean, I just came off of a three-hour discussion about Violet Evergarden where they challenged this idea all to shit. But the idea mm. that you can find your hope in life just because someone else said life was worth living, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of power in that uh, where mm-hmm. you can trust someone else enough to keep going. Yeah, like yeah. we talked about it in the last episode uh, where Madoka says to her mom, look, if you think you did a good job as a parent, then you're going to let me go right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also if you watch the sub, not the dub, Uh, Mm -hmm. This comes up in this episode again, because when Madoka in the sub is talking with Homura before becoming a magical girl, she says, won't you believe in the answer that the one you've protected all this time has found? Mm. She uses the same argument against Homura that she used with her mom. She says, if you think that you did a good job protecting me and that you chose someone worth protecting, then let me do the thing that you have been priming me to do. Mm. In the dub, she just says, it's the answer I've been looking for, I swear. But in the sub, she says, it's the answer that you have been preparing me to find. Hmm. So if you trust yourself, then trust me. Believe in the me that believes in you. I think uh, Aniplex should probably hire you to oversee the dubbing (laughs) process. Hey, Aniplex, Funimation, (laughs) like anyone? Yeah, they're one of our Patreon subscribers. (laughs) Yeah, hook me up. So my only other thought about this is kind of a funny one. You know, we remarked several times like this show is called like (laughs) remembering the name of the show, Puella, Magi, Madoka, Madoka Magica. And like we kept waiting for Madoka to become a magical girl. And then mm. midway through, I think it was Alex was like, this show is about Sayaka. And then later <laughs> we're like, no, this show is about Homura. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, it was about Madoka, but not in an explicit way. Mm. Like Sayaka was our action hero and Homura was our like 
strategic hero, but Madoka was like the spiritual hero. Well, it's a show about hope and Madoka is hope. So, yeah, I think it's about all of them in a way that many stories fail to live up to because even mommy who dies at what? <laughs> <laughs> like even her impact comes back and we mm. really examine her more as a character. Gosh, my favorite mommy scene is in the Homura episode where she learns that they become witches. She's like, well, then all of us have to die. Mm -hmm. Fuck, that was so dark. Because if we're going to be exploited like this, I can't let that happen. Kyube cannot win. Well, not, not just Kyube can't win, but we can't hurt people. Like if we become witches, yep. we're going to hurt oh, the people yes. that we've been like trying to protect this whole time. Ah, oh, it's so good. But yeah, so it ends up taking time and sometimes out of order to focus on each of these five magical girls, mm -hmm. give them some real backstory and 3D uh, weight to them and pathos and come together at the end to return us to Madoka and say like, this is the person that they were all fighting for in one way or another. And this is why she deserves to be here at the end of the story. Mm -hmm. It's very effective. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that they show why Madoka deserves to be here because in my video about magical girl side, I bring up how Madoka does a very good job at showing that the world is worth saving. The little scene that always gets me is when Tatsuya and her parents are in the storm shelter where Tatsuya runs up to his dad and says, Daddy, we're camping. Uh, and he just lifts him up like, yeah, we're camping with everyone here. It's just such this nice familial moment that shows what all this is for. And then we get that same kind of scene with Tatsuya running up and grabbing his dad's leg after Madoka becomes God to show that, yeah, this was preserved. What she fought for is still here. It's just such a it's such a good show. Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about a lot of these shows kind of go cosmic at the end. And I thought mm -hmm. this did it extremely well. I was trying to figure out why mm -hmm. I, I think Sometimes it feels like when the stakes get that high, it almost makes the beginning part not worth it or something. Like it's sort of mm -hmm. like, it's like, oh, well, we wasted like, Machina. yeah, we wasted all this time like getting here and then sort of like nothing that led up to this moment mattered. Um, mm -hmm. But I think maybe just because it's so rooted in the characters. It doesn't feel like an escalation, really. Mm -hmm. It's because the stakes have always been the same. Madoka risking slash contemplating losing herself and why she would be willing to do that. Going cosmic, as you said, is just the answer to that question. It's not 10 degrees removed from that question like we get in Gurren Lagan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not that Gurren Lagan is bad. I love that show to death. It's just a very different vibe. Yeah, and it's a very different vibe from like Neon Genesis, which has a similar mm -hmm. thing at the end, you know, instrumentality, but it leaves it especially in the series, it leaves it so much more abstract than this that it's hard, especially on a first viewing to like to parse. Yeah, to connect the mm -hmm. ideas they're talking about to the story we actually watched. But here it was very clearly through the symbolism, through the actual dialogue, through like it was pretty cohesive when it came down to it. Mm -hmm. And the only like, I don't know, really downer parts I thought were that like Joan of Arc just gets left there to burn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do I still have to burn or can I can you just teleport me away? But without despair, <laughs> yeah, but, Alex, without despair. <laughs> that's true, without despair. <laughs> I guess if I think about the mechanics or the process of her absorbing the soul gems, whenever she absorbed the soul gem, 
from one of these magical girls, that magical girl, it looked kind of like they died or fell asleep and it looked like there was no more pain. Mm -hmm. So if like she does that at the moment they're lighting the bonfire <laughs> under uh, Joan of Arc, then maybe she uh, uh, saves her from all of that. Well, but but mm. the pain is worth it. It's kind of right. Like, well, so part of this Madoka is, is she like in agony doing this? I don't. She I think so she is like a spiritual agony. I think that she can't be with the people she loves anymore in the same way that she was before. And that is in itself, you know, a tragedy. But I don't think she's in any physical distress. Yeah. I don't know if she's in emotional distress either if she like is a different type of being now. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like it, you mentioned that she kind of took over Kyubei's role in the mm -hmm. series. And that to me implies that she's beyond personal connection. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like Madoka the god has a different way of connecting with the people she loves. Yeah. Other than naked space hugs, which <laughs> she can apparently do on demand. <laughs> we all need naked space hugs. I would love oh. some naked space hugs. <laughs> but she does say maybe if we ask for a miracle or something like that, mm. if it's small enough, maybe it can happen. And uh, Homura comes back with a physical artifact of Madoka, mm -hmm. the, the, ribbon. the ribbon, and mm -hmm. her little brother remembers something of Madoka. Mm -hmm. So like maybe that's the miracle. So, so there was this line at the beginning. So she says, Homura, I'm sorry, I'm becoming a magical girl. I won't squander who you've become and what you've done for me. So is that Homura we see at the end this same Humura that's like gone through all these cycles, training and like becoming super powerful. I think so. Or is yeah, it original timeline so. Homura? Because she doesn't have the glasses. Like, yeah, and she's got the bow, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she has the mentality of hardened Homura. I don't think original timeline Homura would think this world sucks and they <laughs> shoot some monks. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess we don't exactly see how the timelines blend, but I guess, you know, no one has this memory of Humura, or sorry, no one has a memory of Madoka while Pergus is defeated, and then life just kind of carries on mm -hmm. from that moment Yeah, mm -hmm. with these new rules. Uh, with that line you mentioned, there is another difference between the sub and the dub. Mm. Uh, oh. Yeah, in the sub, Madoka says, I'm sorry, I'm going to become a magical girl. And in the dub, she says, I'm sorry, I want to become a magical girl. Mm. It's a very mm. subtle difference, but that's the kind of shit that really gets me going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's a question of whether or not Madoka has free will, right? If you say, mm. I'm going to become a magical girl, then it's the consequence of this ball that's been rolling through several different timelines. This is the consequence of everything that has happened up until now. I am going to become a magical girl. But if you say, I want to become a magical girl, then regardless of what has brought me to this point, it is my will. It is my decision. This is what I am going to do because I want to. Mm. And functionally, I, they may be no different, but it's a better story if she has that choice, I think. I think that's up for debate. I think that there is an argument to be made that the story where she doesn't have the choice but still accepts the duty is also very powerful. Uh, if mm. she says, I'm going to become a magical girl, no matter what, it's going to happen. But it is also the best thing that could happen, and I'm happy that it's happening. I think that that's also a very mm. powerful thing. I can see that. Well, this one, I just went back and listened to it, um, and it is, I will become. Not I, I want to become, but I will become. 
um, in the just the Japanese mm, okay. literal translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing about subs, right? Is that there's still yeah. a translation. Or, Everyone's going to disagree about how the best to translate them. Well, I, I guess, so I speak a little Japanese and that's mm-hmm. like, a, she says like, Maho shoujo ninaru, which is just like, I will mm-hmm. become. I will and, become a magical Yeah, if she girl. said naritai, that would be like, I want to become a magical girl. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then you also have to worry about things with the dub, like the, the lip flaps, if things are going to match up with the animation. So you have to change the words sometimes. It's like translating mm. songs where you have to match the rhythm and the meter and the rhyme scheme. Oh, so things gosh. can change immensely just based on technical challenges, uh, which isn't as big of a problem with the sub. But then you still have issues where people think, oh, this the tone of this sentence would read better if we phrased it like this, even mm. though those aren't the literal words that are being said. Yeah. Or, or, you know, maybe it's like in the tone of voice that she says in Japanese, you can hear that she mm-hmm. really wants to become. Right. right. And so then you and like that's not going to come across to an English yeah. audience if we don't put okay. it in the text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like there are reasons not to do a quote unquote direct translation if you're doing something like this. I don't know why I did air quotes. Like but yeah, uh, that's why I love these these subs versus dubs videos that I do is because there are all of these very subtle differences in dialogue that cause huge characterization Mm. changes. Uh, And it's interesting to go into like why somebody would have made that translation decision or uh, like uh, why the people who did the sub translated things differently than the people who did the dub, even though they're both translators. Uh, Okay, so you said you had another subverse dub note that you really wanted to share with us? I do. When Madoka is talking with Homura, right after she says, I want to or will become a magical girl. In the dub, Homura says, if you do that, then everything I've fought for is all for nothing. And Homura in the sub says, if you do that, what have I been fighting for? Mm. So E. Homura, uh, English Homura, immediately begins to succumb to despair at the thought of Madoka becoming a magical girl. But uh, Homura in the sub poses it as a question. She says, what have I been fighting for if you wind up becoming a magical girl? And that is a question that Madoka can answer because Madoka would say, well, just watch what I'm about to do. Yeah, I think Madoka is the answer. Yes, no, you've you've been fighting for the hope of all magical girls everywhere and by extension, everyone in the world. Yeah, Um, and and Uh, that, so Homura thought she was fighting to keep Madoka from becoming a magical girl. mm -hmm. Ultimately, she is fighting to bring her to become the ultimate manifestation of magical girl, the the god of magical girls, kind of. But that's really fascinating because either way you cut it or even translate it, what it comes down to is the whole time she's been fighting for Madoka. Like Mm -hmm. what she wanted out of Madoka's actions or something, that's up for debate. She can wrestle with herself about that. But Mm -hmm. that she was fighting for her friend, that's something that isn't at question, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's the it's the whole question between a selfish and a selfless wish that's been going on for this entire show, because Homura was in a sense was in a sense acting selfishly. She was trying to prevent Madoka from doing what Madoka ultimately winds up wanting to do. Uh, She was imposing her will on Madoka because she wanted to keep Madoka Mm -hmm. safe uh, because she loved Madoka and didn't want to see Madoka succumb to despair or Mm -hmm. die, which is all very Mm -hmm. reasonable. Uh, but when Homura's will is broken and Madoka says, I'm so sorry, like at the end of episode 11, which is one of the biggest gut punches in anime, every time I watch it, I feel it. I really am sorry, she says. Madoka instead 
uses her own will it, as opposed to what Homura wants. And Homura's wish sort of transitions from this selfish wish to a selfless one because she brings about the rise of God, Madoka, all hail. Yeah. But, but I mean, Homura is trying to do literally what Madoka asked her to do, right? Madoka had that like dying wish of like, go back and... Go back and keep this from happening. Yeah, keep this from happening. Mm-hmm. But But then sort of like the motivation behind that was that she felt tricked, that they felt like what they were doing wasn't actually what they set out to do. Mm -hmm. So at the end, I feel like her wish solves the problem that she had, you know, when she was lying there dying, like like she would have been Mm -hmm. satisfied with the outcome that they ended up getting, but she didn't know how to get there. Um, And and so kind of Homura got stuck on like following exactly what she said, as opposed to knowing her and trying to figure out what it is that she actually wanted, maybe. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, and it it parallels Junko, that scene, the the parenthood thing that we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, like you say like, well, I want my my child to grow up to make, you know, smart decisions. I want them to be empowered to make their own decisions. But you may think like, well, I want them to make healthy decisions or I want them to make safe decisions or I want them to but mm-hmm. like the real passing of the torch between parent and child is to say, I trust that I've done a good job. And I trust the decisions you're going to make. And I can't dictate mm-hmm. what they are. Like, that can't be part of my wish. It's not the point. <laughs> it's beautiful. One of the things that bothered me about the last half of the show was it became so divorced from the slice of life stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we just kind of mm-hmm. lost her family in it. And coming back to them in these last two episodes was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And having that conversation mm-hmm. between... Uh, what's her name? Junko and uh, Madoka kind of parallel uh, Homura and Madoka. Like that's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And like their color schemes are the same. They're purple. I had this theory mm-hmm. once upon a time True. that Homura and her mom were the same person somehow <laughs> with like the time stuff. But anyway. <laughs> is there anyone you didn't think was secretly Homura? <laughs> well, she's the person in the egg, right? She's uh, just coming down to earth and living out everyone's yeah. experience. <laughs> I, I do have an aesthetic question. That bar scene yeah, with yeah. Uh, Junko and the mm-hmm. teacher, there was like red and blue on either side and a picture of like the Sistine Chapel ceiling of like man and God mm. touching the fingers. Creation of Adam, yeah. That's like pretty powerful imagery. <laughs> like, For a random bar mm-hmm. scene straight out of What did you parade. take from that? I, I was just going to say good foreshadowing of like sort of Madoka becoming a god. I guess I was thinking, like, are they making some statement? Like, because, like, there were the themes about uh, being seen and, like, the divine is generally invisible. For some reason, I was thinking, like, red oni, blue oni. And it's like, (laughs) is someone performing in order for, like, a salvation narrative to take place? And, like, the way Ben was characterizing, like, did Homura still have to go through all of this, all of these steps? Like, well, yeah, she did to set Madoka up to be, you know, blue Oni, yeah. basically. Yeah. I mean, we had Sayaka, you know, Sayaka was blue, um, Kyoko was red. We had their red and blue spirits do that dance in the big fight. And then we see these, mm-hmm. um, like, red and blue laughing figures. That's something we haven't talked about, actually, is like, well, Purgus, do we have... Oh, yeah, those were the familiars. So, do we have any clarity on who... Like if Walpurgis is a witch, 
where Walpurgis came from or what's going on there? Not in this series. I think there might be answers somewhere else. So mm. Walpurgis definitely had a clockwork or time motif to it. So it may not be Homer literally, but uh, the familiars it had when Madoka does her ultimate attack and kind of dispels Walpurgis, one of the things is some of those rocket to the ground and they become magical girls. So Walpurgis knock may be like the conflagration of witches. Like she is all girls, like the gestalt, you know, embodiment of all magical girls who become witches. And all of her familiars mm. are very literally these like lesser magical girls that are uh, part of her, but maybe teetering on that edge of despair. And then also Walpurgis Noct also becomes a nice parallel to Madoka. Madoka becomes God. Well, mm. we're talking about Faust, right? In this in this show. So if you're going to have a God, you got to have mm -hmm. a devil. And so like what better devil? It could be Cubay, but it also could be uh, uh, Walpurgis Noct, the that destructive influence. Mm. I guess I only have one final thought. Like, I really appreciated that there wasn't some big final showdown between like Divine uh, Madoka and like the Cubay Collective or whatever. Uh, I never even considered that. That was that sounds horrible. Yeah. Um, like the ultimate enemy that Madoka was fighting was a system. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really, really valuable narratively because we have systems that are very destructive mm -hmm. in our world. And it would be futile to pursue. Well, I mean, certainly we want to see justice come to the villains who perpetuate exploitative systems. But um, ultimately, it's the system that must go on trial. Mm. And there's an anecdote from South America where when they put a system on trial, the people who participated in that system were able to testify against it, which was mm. valuable for making the macro level changes that they needed to make. So even if like we think that Cubay was guilty of something unethical and ought to have paid, maybe that would have prevented dealing with the system that was the real problem. Mm. Like we could beat Cubay, but then this exploitative thing will just keep going on. Yeah, you'd still have witches so. and Yeah, you still got Cubay who is running the algorithm unfeeling, but now the the rules, the info that created that algorithm is different. So, so I'm curious, is the, is the explanation of Walpurgis, is that in the movie or is that some other lore? It's not in the movie. I'm not sure it exists. Um, I just feel like there's a little information about it in some Madoka media, maybe one of the spinoff oh, gotcha. novels. I, I thought you had the answer and you were just keeping it from us as spoilers. I do not so. have the answer. I'm not being coy. <laughs> oh, look at his eyes. Brian has the answer. Uh, no, I don't. This is when I would say IHOB if you were my friends. We have a safe word for fucking with each other. <laughs> there was this time when IHOP uh, decided that they were, as a marketing ploy, changing to the International House of Burgers. Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> I know. And I was telling all my friends, like, did you hear about IHOB? And they didn't believe me. So I had to look it up. And I was like, look at this IHOB, the International House of Burgers. And from now on, when I say IHOB, you need to believe me because I'm telling the truth. Wow. I love it. Uh, so, no, I do not know the story behind Walpurgis Knocked the Witch, IHOB. Uh, but I can look <laughs> it up right now if you want. Yeah. I'm not going to tell yeah. you. I, I just will know. And then well, you'll know it, that if I it's know. not spoilers in the movie, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. But we all had that question oh. while we were watching, right? You like find out like, oh, witches mm. 
are made from magical girls. This huge witch is coming. So like what is leading to the, the creation of that witch? It seems like there is no official identity. All right. I'm I'm making new canon. Uh, I think it's Homura mm-hmm. is gets fed up of missing <laughs> Madoka and comes back to see Madoka one more time. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> she comes back to give Madoka what she needed, an enemy to overcome. Oh, this is interesting, and I've never seen it before. Uh, I always find something when I go on a Wikipedia binge in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> uh, but apparently, Walpurgisnacht and Kreinhild Gretchen, which is the name of the Madoka mm-hmm. witch that we saw in one of those episodes, they have a pairing silhouettes. Uh, Walpurgisnacht is the upper half of a an hourglass. And Kleinhild Gretchen is the lower half. Oh, okay, wow. yes, Ben, I agree with you. I think that's the that's the best headcanon we're going to come up with. <laughs> and them God. them pairing up like <laughs> that, it totally works. I think Walpurgis is Lane. Mm, okay, <laughs> I love it. The clockwork imagery, or or Golden Bat. <laughs> I think Walpurgis is Haruhi Suzumiya from the fourth of the Endless Eight. Okay, all right. <laughs> So the pressing business, we have to decide on a sign-off. Mm-hmm. I think naked space space hug would be good. We could just say Walpurgisnacht. We could say Homer is Walpurgisnacht. We could say I have. I like, what did you say? I want to become a magical girl. I want to be a magical girl is okay. the line. I, I like that. But okay, so uh, everybody think about that. But bef- right before we do that sign-off, Bryant, if people really Me. like listening to you, which how could they not, where can they find you online? Uh, they can find me on YouTube. I am explanation points. I'm the one that is the black circle with the green exclamation point in it. I put out content every like twice a year or so, but I'm trying to get better. But it's quality every time. I like to think so. Okay. And then uh, if if the people listening to this have enjoyed Madoka Magica, can you recommend something, another series or uh, uh, anything you enjoyed? I forgot that I was supposed to be thinking about this. Uh, Well, (laughs) there are all kinds of dark magical girls, some better than others. If you want that kind of vibe, you can watch Magical Girl Raising Projects. I enjoyed Uh, you can watch Mm. uh, you can try to watch Magical Girl Site, which is terrible, Uh, Mm. but it's Uh. um, it's enjoyable at times. Did you enjoy Fate Zero or Psychopaths? I've never seen anything fate related, oh. but I do love Psychopaths. I think that's a hat trick for Psychopaths then. I think we've had a lot of uh, 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 recommendation for that. No, Psychopaths is brilliant and I need to watch it again. Land of the Lustrous has similar themes. That's a great show. Yeah, about what makes an individual and how you can affect the world and whether or not conforming to other people's expectations of you makes you lose yourself and whether or not that's okay. So if you like Madoka thematically, Land of the Lustrous is probably for you. That's interesting. Like genre-wise, it's kind of its own thing, right? Yeah, genre-wise, there is nothing that will satisfy the same itch as Madoka. Like I haven't seen the classics. I haven't seen like Princess Tutu. People recommend Yuki Yuna as a hero a lot. And I think that show is garbage uh, and not in a fun way like Magical Girl Sight. Uh, all right. Any last orders of business? And how do what 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 are everybody's pitches for our sign-off? Mine is I want to be a magical girl. I feel like like I, I really like my joke one, but for the Madoka finale, I don't feel like a joke is appropriate. Yeah, I think it should be sincere. Yeah. I know now. I know now is not bad. It's a little abstract, but it's good. 
I think the, the thing that's coming to mind for me is the brother just being like, Madoka, Madoka. We could just do that. Just Madoka. Okay. That's fine. Mine's going to be like, diddly do, diddly do, diddly do. <laughs> it's all about Madoka. Let's all love Madoka. Everybody can say whatever they want about Madoka. Oh. And that's it. We're just all going to talk at the same time. <laughs> I, what yep. kind of dog and pony show is this? It's a chorus. It's an ensemble uh, show. We're gonna I'm going to retract in my participation way. in this podcast. <laughs> Remove my audio. <laughs> okay, cool. What, okay, everybody say Madoka or whatever. I can't stop you from saying whatever you want to say. Good? Okay, cool. Blixo, whenever you're ready. All right. Oh, do we want to explain it for oh, Brian? Right. Okay. <laughs> so Blixa will say pen, then Ben will say pen, I'll say pals, and then if you'll join us on the fourth beat and say Madoka or whatever I want. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's a mystery. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it's important that I know if we're leaving in this explanation of us saying. <laughs> this might be our cold open <laughs> we're recording just, right now. You just got to trust. Like, are, are you leaving in the part where we explain the outro you, you, and how we don't know what we're doing? You you agreed to do this podcast, and now you just have to trust. You have you, to. You signed the contract, You right? are my dad. <laughs> okay. We don't usually keep the explanation in, but this one's pretty funny, so we'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll just wing it. All right. Is everyone ready? Okay. Okay, pen, pen, pals, naked space hugs. ExplanationPatreon.com/slash/explanationpoint. We all love incubator. You said incubator? No, I said you were an incubator. You tricked us. Me? Oh, it. I did. I went lowbrow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't okay. help it. I just I love naked space hugs. Said.